have. I got a story for you. Ashley Murray is running for Cape Penelopian School Board's at-large seat, which is a five-year term. The election is May 11th. Polls open at 7 a.m. and close at 8 p.m. Residents within the Cape Penelopian School District that are over 18 and are Delaware residents can vote at Cape Penelopian High School in Lewis, Mariner Middle School in Milton, and Rehoboth Elementary in Rehoboth with ID. But first, before you get to know more about Ashley's platform, a word from today's sponsor, Andre Psyche. AndrePsyche.com is dead. If you're a loyal listener, you know we love that website. But what do we love more than AndrePsyche.com? The man himself, Andre Psyche. You can find him on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. He is alive and thriving. Andre's adopted a minimalistic lifestyle with materialistic things like websites, car, his hair. His creative libido, though, is not minimalistic. It is fully stimulated and viewable on most social media platforms. Andre is a freelance creator extraordinaire, someone who makes music, poetry, art, clothing, and lives to make others feel good. Search him up. Andre Psyche, that's P-S-Y-C-H-E, the next time you're looking to friend or follow someone outside of your normal social circle. Speaking of friending and following, please... Friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. I should say and instead of or. Pick all three instead of one. It's getting the number two. No, the letter U pod. Feeling generous with your time? Do you have five seconds to spare? Take a moment right now. Push the subscribe button wherever you're listening to the Getting to Know You pod. Apple, Stitcher, Spotify. And if you're feeling exceptionally generous, especially on Apple, rate and review the podcast. Looking to support us in more ways than just rating and reviewing, following and friending? Thank you. You can go to patreon.com, search getting the number two, no, the letter U, pod, all one word, and become a subscriber. And finally, we are looking for sponsors and advertisers. So if you or someone you know has a business or brand and would like to expand your market reach, consider partnering with us. We get to know people from all around the world. We're downloaded in over 46 states at this point, and 45 countries to date. So again, if you or someone you know are looking to get more traffic to your site, more followers on your social, more purchases of your product, more clicks on your whatever, just message us. And now, getting to know you. Hello. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to like you, getting to hope you like me. Because I'm good enough. Getting to know you, putting it my way, but nicely. I'm smart enough. You are precisely. And doggone it. My cup of tea. On today's show, we are getting to know Ashley Murray. Ashley Murray, oh my God, I screwed up already, is running for the at-large seat at Cape Penelopin School Board. It's a five-year term. The vote is May 11th, and residents of the Cape Penelopin School Board, who are over 18, can vote starting at 7 a.m. all the way to 8 p.m. at places such as Cape Penelopin High School, Mariner Middle School, and Rehoboth Elementary. As a Quick little disclaimer, we hope to get into a bunch of topics. I'm going to do my best to organize them. If you want to bounce around, just go to the 
description of the podcast and the timestamps will be in there for you. Ashley, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. I uh, really appreciate it. Absolutely. I am um, honored uh, to have the opportunity to be um, here to speak with you tonight. Um, I was, I have first my background. I am a fourth generation graduate of Cape. It was always very important to me to, for my children to remain in the Cape District. I would, I've always been very proud of that um, and proud of the education that I received there. Um, COVID brought a lot of attention or a lot of concerns to my attention and is what has me here running for uh, the seat. Um, I think that parents need a voice. Not only do they need a voice, they need to be more aware of what their children are being not only taught, but programmed with. And um, it's it's very concerning. Well, let's, um, I'm curious, what got your attention? Because to me, a five-year commitment for an unpaid job with a lot of scrutiny, I'd have to be seriously concerned to even want to take take that on. <laughs> so what did you see that made you want to do this? It was the fact that um, really my one child was, so I, two children in the district, I have a seventh grader and an 11th, 11th grader. Um, it was two different experiences that both had within the same time frame came home to me and my seventh grader walked in the door and told me that he felt guilty for being a white male. That was alarming to me. Um, no child should ever feel, especially in America, guilty for their skin color or their race or, or their gender. And then I, within the same time frame, my 11th grader had to do the equality test or equity test in school. What's a, do you know much about the equity test? I'm unfamiliar. Yes. Okay. Uh, I um, had seen it performed on TV. So I knew what it was when he brought, when he said this to me, but, um, he, I wanted to know what he learned from it. So I let him talk. I was like, so what was that? He was <laughs> like, well, he was like, you know, we lined up. He was like, you know, side by side. And, um, they started asking questions 
uh, starting with, um, are your parents still together or married? If so, take one step forward. If not, take one step back. Um, another question would be is, does one, does one of your parents have a college degree? If so, take one step forward. If not, take one step back. Uh, did one of your parents drop out of high school? If so, take one step back or, and then so on and so forth. Okay. But these questions are embarrassing to children at best. That's super personal. Super personal. How, how many kids? Extremely. Is this like in a class setting of 30 or is this like a, like a hundred kids together in some sort of like pep rally style thing? This was in a, um, it was it was in a psychology class. Okay. But but it is being performed in all classes. Okay. Um. This is if you can look it up on um on YouTube and it's broadly it's very broadly you know gotcha going on huh. um and. Most concerning to me at that point was, was if you're a white male, take two steps forward. Oh, interesting. So, and I guess the visual is to create some sort of equity test. You're showing like an inequality because people are being separated. Correct. And the, where my problem with that is, is if you're a white male, take two steps forward. And so I, I know that with things that he has said, um, that has alerted me, but I never would, I allow my children to be who they are, um, no matter what growing up it, in conservative values, um, I have a very liberal brother who is a they love their uncles um and so i pr pretty much asked him what he learned and he was like well he was like i don't have any privilege and i was like well then explain to me how white privilege works i was like does it pick and choose who gets it? I was like, because you were born into poverty. You grew up the first seven years of your life in a trailer park. I was like, you work two jobs are in top scores in your, in your class. I was like, you work hard. I was like, you I was like, so how does white privilege work? And it made him really have to think about it. And it, and so it it's really, I mean, the whole equity, equality, and diversity, I fully support that. But I don't support the putting down of white males and white people in general to uplift 
another. Um, I think that it's like my seventh grader that came home told me he feels guilty for being a white male. No child should be being made to feel guilty for their skin color, something they have no, no control over. And so it, it really alerted me to pay attention. And finally, I'm honestly, I'm a person that doesn't like attention. I, you know, have remained pretty quiet. Um, I, my husband likes attention, which drew me towards him. I'll egg him on <laughs> and I'll sit back and just be like, feed off of it. Gotcha. You know, like I, but once I realized that our children are being targeted, that's where I, my line was drawn that I needed to do something. I need, there needed to be a voice for not only white children, all children, all races. And if you're going to talk about equality and equity and diversity, then that needs to be across the board. And the implementation of, um, you know, the critical race theory, which has now passed and is now mandatory in public schools. I mean, that they first targeted colleges. And what we're seeing now is the woke liberals that are um, that they don't believe in even conversing or hearing others thoughts and opinions and um like i mean i i have it all broken down the critical race theory i was about to it. ask you give me give me a little background on what you but, or how you yeah. see the critical race theory because i was about to google and maybe skip over wikipedia yeah sure. <laughs> let, let me go here okay so pretty much what we grew up on was martin luther king's movement which was judge somebody not by the color of their skin but by their character and that is something i fully support um the critical race theory it goes off of the um the movement of 1619 and then it turned into the what is now known as the critical race theory, which is a Marxist ideology that was started in 1960s. And if you break it down, it is um, one skin color matters. So let me just pause you for a moment. Uh, Britannica.com, and I'm pretty unfamiliar with critical race theory, and I feel stupid for not really even heard of the 1619 movement. But according to Britannica, and you can tell me if you think this is on or off, critical, uh -huh. critical race theory, it's an intellectual movement and loosely organized framework of legal analysis 
based on the premise that race is not a natural, biologically grounded feature of physical distinct subgroups of human beings, but socially constructed category that is used to oppress and exploit people of color. Critical race theorists hold that the law and legal institutions in the United States are inherently racist. So it's almost like critical race theories. I guess I would associate that with like systematic racism. When you hear that word, systematic racism, it seems critical race theory would be a part of that. Or maybe right. is that. Well, right. It, it, well, pretty much if you watch um, the video, I can forward it onto you. All the work that Frederick Douglass did and Martin Luther King did. What you're saying is like merit-based, character-based. Let's, let, let's yes. judge people on their actions, not their appearance kind of a thing. Right. It is going against that whole thing. Hmm. And is basically, um, what it does is, one, skin color matters. So we're taught just, uh, we were taught just the opposite, to judge by, not by the skin color, but by character. Um, also, you know, the United States is, we were, we are all free by the blood of Jesus, which is whether you, that is what America was originally founded with, um, Western world. Um, two, it teaches racism is everywhere. Second, the third part is dialogue is evil. If you converse with somebody of opposition, you are just as bad as them. You are just as racist as them if you converse with them. How does it get to that for you, that dialogue's evil? I could get the racism is everywhere, especially if I'm equating that with like systematic racism like implicit biases i've i've heard those buzzwords but the dialogue is evil i'm a little unfamiliar with or pretty it, unfamiliar it, with. i i will forward on the okay. information Got to you. you um that it it pretty much preaches um as you go down what the theory behind it is but also, it also is believes in totalitarianism. So it is wanting a dictatorial government and a subservient state. Really? How's that? Or I guess, it, yeah. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just thinking about how I asked that. I'm like, would the real question be how is that or why is that? So I'm sorry. I was like stumbling over my own question. No. So basically what this is all pushing for is towards communism. And so with when the critical race theory broken down, like I said, I'll forward it all to you. But it is if you have not heard the term, um, it 
hold on. It's not. Yeah. Um, so um, it, I'm again, just going through the Britannica.com because I tried to, I guess I trust it more in Wikipedia. Scrolling through, it seems first annual workshop on critical race theory. It's it, no, it, that's serving... all going to not be very. I, I mean, I have the HR bill right, like, um, was brought dropped off to me again, um, but it believes in a dictatorship with a subservient um, state. So it's teaching children to want dictatorship. And that is, I mean, you don't if, think you haven't could... heard, if you haven't heard the term yet, white, si white silence is violence. That one is being posted very loudly right now. Um, so it's not only what we don't say or what we do say. I mean, it's what we don't say. If we're quiet, if we don't side with them. Yeah, if you're, I've heard if you're quiet, you're complicit. Um, but I guess white, white silence is violence maybe rhymes better. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, and I kept reading, I guess it's basically which dedicated itself to examining law and legal institutions serving the interests of wealthy and powerful at the expense of the poor and marginalized. So I guess right. my, my question would be like, if we're educ, if we're, are we, are you concerned that we're trying to make kids become the poor and marginalized? Like this theory that exercise is meant to make your son feel as the poor marginalized one? No. What I'm concerned about is that, one, it is, the, the fifth point is, is that science, math, and reason are all instruments of white supremacy. Huh. It is, with this critical race theory it is all about white supremacy so it is making you are taking youth that don't really see color unless it is taught to them either at home or at school to now make them see white people as Supremacy, white su supremacy. Gotcha. And that is not fair or right. And it's not right to make my child who, or any white child, feel guilty who we've never had slaves. You know, I, I'm of Irish descent. Uh, we were slaves. I mean, so like, I, I think that the whole thing of preaching unity is with this theory is all about creating more division hmm. and it's very and because basically it it divides people into three categories it divides you into either the victim the oppressor or you don't want to be known as the oppressor, so you side with the victim. 
So it would like limit your ambition. And I guess that's where I get a little confused with the house bill that's passed, which I thought was more about including black history into like mandating that black history is taught. So I, I get when you bring up the critical race theory, how is that connected to the, um, was it house bill 198? I gotta Google that as well, I guess. Um, the house bill that was just passed. Yes. Yeah. House bill 198. How, okay, my thing is, is why is diversity being incorporated into every academic class? Okay, so then we actually are talking about two different things. So I was trying to you, make the connection. You, okay, I see where you're going now. So you are, you are dividing, and it is divide and conquer instead of creating unity and my whole thing is is we need to unite and realize that we the people have the power when we unite and we are being taught like we are being whether it is black birth white gay birth straight any way that you want to divide, it is being done instrumentally to on purpose. Hmm. Because once we stand up and take control and say we're not tolerating it anymore, they know the game is over. And when you're saying they, that's like a government, government. thing? Yeah, right. Okay. So then our government. Tell me if I'm wrong if I try to synopsize, synapse, summarize, summarize this. So a curriculum decision to employ, teach. See, I don't. I have a hard time saying teach critical race theory. It seems like they're teaching equity. They're trying to teach equity. You're seeing it as the teaching of this critical race theory, and one of your concerns would be your son who now feels this guilt is going to not take risks, feel bad about having ambition and going like folks succeeding. Is that part of, am I asking that right? Or something okay. that right? Okay. No, because it's not being, I don't know if I'm not protect, say, saying it correctly. They are, making they're not creating unity mm -hmm. okay what they are doing is they are creating division so when you are teaching i mean yes i i learned about black history and i completely fully support that being taught I believe that all history, as long as history is taught, all American history is taught 100% without bias. But it's not. They are neglecting to teach who formed the KKK, why the KKK was formed, who the KKK targeted, they, who formed the Republican Party. They're not teaching these things of American history, whether good or bad, 
it's taught to be learned from and to not repeat the mistakes that we already made. This may be a stupid question, but why does the KKK stuff matter? Like, why does it matter that a child know who, I don't know who formed the KKK, to be honest with you. Um, why would that matter? Okay, because it was formed by the Democratic Party. Oh, okay. So that's, gotcha. I see where you're going with that. It was formed by the Democratic Party to target. And, and see, they're not being taught that. And so for the Democratic Party to be teaching or, you know, preaching unity and diversity and equity and all this, they aren't being fully educated. Okay. And that's where, that's where I, like, have a major problem with it. Gotcha. Is that I also have a major problem with that, I'm sorry, the government uses the African-Americans as pawns for their votes by feeding them breadcrumbs to keep them at poverty level and taking away the jobs within the, the cities. And it breaks my heart. And I have personal reasons for this. I mean, I have um, such a respect for the black community for something that I went through in my childhood. I, such a, um, you know, level sixth grade of friends I thought were friends and that it was, I, I, and I still remain in contact with many of them and I have the utmost respect for them. And I wish that a lot of people realize that the main source of the government's con control and brainwashing is television and to shut it off. Love your neighbors. We are Americans and our skin color. Yes, our heritage matters, but at most we are Americans and we need to unite and limit the control that our government has. Did you want to, just because you had brought up the experience and I don't know, I don't have any background on I, it. Did you want to get into any details about I it can. or you just want to leave I it? Can. I, I certainly can. Um, in sixth grade, I, well, leading up to sixth grade, I was, um, I guess what you would consider ran around with the rich clique of Sussex County. Um, my father got into trouble with the IRS with his business. Um, 
and it was broadcasted on the news. And I walked into school the next day, and not one of my friends would even speak to me. Damn. Not one would speak to me, associate with me. When I got to the lunchroom, they made sure that my seat, my normal seat at the table was filled. And it was the black girls that were like, Ashley, you know, screw them. You know, come on, come sit with us. You know, and for the remainder of the year, like, I mean, it was them that uplifted me and taught me about, you know, it was such a learning experience that I value to this day. I still have a large, you know, number of, you know, uh, black friends that, I mean, I remain in contact with and are part of my life. And I just, don't want to be labeled because I'm against the critical race theory as what they're trying to label me as, because that's not farther from the truth. Yeah. And it, it's funny because initially I thought uh, with Googling, just reading stories in the Gazette, whatnot, the Delaware online thing, I thought it was really more like the house bill 198 about black history. But to me, what I'm hearing is it's more like this equity teaching. And if anything, for me, my mind goes to academics, not that emotional intelligence is not important, but I'm a very like efficient, I want to squeeze every minute out. I'm a coach, like I want to get reps. And I'm like, I feel like if I'm spending time with all these equality exercises, what's being sacrificed? Because there's only exactly. so much time in the day. And could we be better served? Like, dude, I looked at, um, it's funny because you had brought up about uh, when we were talking um, yesterday or two days, yesterday or two days ago about Delaware spending so much money and not getting results. So I started right. Googling class or rankings of states. Delaware's student to teacher ratio is like one to 22. And the, uh, and the only reason we're in like the top 10 in one of these rankings is because of safety. The other states that are ranked are like 1 to 12, 1 to 15, 1 to 11. And I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, imagine the impact of more teachers and less administrative decision makers who are bringing or training on this equality. If those positions or people were in the classrooms actually building the relationships, giving kids feedback, I'm like, that would uplift people because now you're educated. Now you're empowered. Now you're valued. Now you have a relationship where you want to come to school and you want to, I don't know, you you get checked in with. And that's why a lot of kids come to school because they're like, hey man, this guy or this girl, this person is going to check in on me. And they're nice. <laughs> I've had so many teachers reach out to me so mad about the superintendent just stopping in for a picture taking oh. um, and 
that they are top heavy with administrators. They just hired a diversity administrator, which is a hundred plus thousand dollars a year job. And teachers make it's a range, right? I mean, it depends on your educational degree, forty to right. ninety thousand dollars. You can make good money teaching if you go get a doctorate and you have some years in. Right, right. But, and but, it's not just and it, and I guess in fairness, the state average doesn't just include Cape. I don't know what Cape's student to teacher ratio is, but I was shocked that I thought most states would be in the twenties, one teacher to twenty. I was extremely shocked to see a majority of the top 10 states, I have to look up the, um, the website, the majority of the top 10 state, states ranked, might have been USA News Weekly, were in the 1 to 15, 1 to 18, 1 to 13, like Vermont, I think was like 1 to 12. I'm like, if Vermont can figure it out, you know, like we're, we're, we're smaller, we should be able to figure out how to get more teachers in classrooms so that kids get more feedback and interaction. So yeah, it, and I guess to circle back, um, cause I, I kind of rambled on that one, but you're right. I, I would have pegged you as whatever, a typical tea party or a typical Trumper. And it doesn't sound like that at all. It just sounds yeah. like you're like this equity training. Number one may not be needed the way it's being implemented. And is it, should it be the priority that it is if our scores aren't as great? And do, our proficiency levels are nowhere near what they should be. If we are going to spend that amount of money on an administrator for diversity, why are we not spending that on getting children the education that they need to be able to test? and be proficient for their grade level. I mean, it's... Yeah, so, and I, we can get into proficiency next. And I to wrap it up, so the House Bill 198 about, just so I get the wording right, council members unanimous, unanimously passed a resolution supporting House Bill 198, which would require each school district and charter school to teach Black History K-12 to students. So that you don't like you're like hey that makes sense to teach black history or you're kind of like well, do we need it to make its own class can't we just fit that into our current history class okay it, it's it's not what you actually have to read the whole bill so you're saying incorporated within that bill is this equity training which then equates to the critical race theory Yes. Okay, so that right, there what it is. is in the bill is the disturbing part. They make it sound like, you know, flowers with the just black history and that's not what do you have is actually incorporated. Do you have any it, of the specifics in the bill that kind of take you back? Um, hold on, I got it. I guess I could Google it too, instead of just being a lazy host. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I have it all here. Uh, I, it, it, it's a lot. I, but 
Delaware's website, original tag. So I found an amendment really quick, but I don't want the amendment. I want the actual original bill. Yeah, because I hear, and just while you're looking, um, filling time, I hear mandatory black history education. I'm like, I mean, I don't know if that sounds so bad because Frederick Douglass, I, I finally read during COVID, read his um, autobiography. Had no idea, like number one, no idea you're that close to me, Frederick Douglass, geographically. Like no idea and no idea what he went through and no idea how good the book was and how insightful and how he overcame. And I'm like, so if that gets part of, that gets put in my curriculum, I, I feel more well-rounded. So that's kind of how I take the bill on the surface, but I haven't read right, the details. Right, right. But what, it, what you're not seeing on the other side is is it is white supremacy so it is you know black history but white supremacy so right from the door starting in kindergarten they are teaching the division of whites and black and that's how they refer to whites as white supremacist, white supremacist. And so then it, I mean, when you start that at kindergarten, you are manipulating children's minds to then look at a white person and to think that they are a white supremacist. And that's not, you know, that that is not creating unity for um us to be with a president now that is all about preach unity and you know it this is not how it is done and i am and um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I was I was kind of Googling and I found an HTML on LegalScan.com. All I could find was the amendment on um, the Delaware website. So I was right. trying to find some of these things that minimum black history instruction may include all of the following, a history and culture of black people prior to the African-American black, I can't even say the word, diaspora. God, that's terrible. Significant of enslavement. Not that diaspora is terrible. In fact, that I've never heard the word before. So maybe this is what you're talking about. So number two, section C, the relationship between white supremacy, racism, and American slavery. Would that maybe be one or? Right. And, you know, it's. It. it... Basically, my stance on all of it is, is it, we are America. We are all of different descent. And we should all know our history. But what would it be like if we did, had, you know, White History Month or... Irish yeah. history well, or and if you go through it like that 
it's the whole my whole stance on it is and i will i'm going to remain true to myself i of course black lives matter i do believe that but my stance is all lives matter and to put any color before that is a form of racism all lives matter we all do and i think that we are being manipulated and i am going to do my best to at least make awareness of what indoctrination is going on in our local schools because it is um to say that the government i i have it right here yeah the government this is from the delaware state board board association um Public education is the single most effective economic development endeavor a government can undertake. Investment in a child's education is an investment in the future of democracy. I have a huge problem with that. Really? That sounds because so positive are, to me. <laughs> I was uh, like, I was like, yeah, man, that makes sense. Because if I if I educate you, you're going to make more money. You're going to be more informed in our democracies. You don't see it like that, huh? No, no. Because if you are investing in a child's education, then you would give that to the child's parent to send them to what school they see fit which would then make the schools be more competitive and uplift their standards. Because it's the school that's determining the value of the education, not the parent, because the money goes to the school, not the parent. So if this school has, okay. So here you go. Here you go. I have two children in Cape district. I, was have always been very fond of Cape District. Um, but with recent changes, we have elected to send my daughter to a local private school. Her the her um tuition is half the amount of money that the government pays for the boys' education. Uh, So, yeah, that's right. Do you know how much? Because each kid basically has a number floating over their head, right? Every kid that's in is worth. Do you know the number that each kid brings in? At Cape, it's around, 
Almost $17,000 a year. Oh, each kid. Wow. Yes. Man, so then if you took a classroom, a classroom of 25, that's 200, that's $340,000. Did I do that math? That can't be right. Oh my God. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Dude, I've never done the math like that. If it's 17K in a class of 25, I was wrong. That's almost half a million dollars. $425,000 worth of government money goes into a class of 25. But I guess our number was 22, right? Our current teacher average. $374,000 in the average classroom. Wow. My daughter. Wow. Her tuition is eight eight thousand for the year. year okay and their education is so much more rigorous to way to where a child coming from even Cape district is almost two years behind all right. Well, I, it sounds just naturally like we're kind of moving on, but I wanted to just because I've done the research. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to do it real quick. I'm sorry. So the House bill, just because I want if again, 40, huh? it's amazing. 46 minutes in. But the stuff in the bill like black history, uh, the history and culture of black people prior to the African-American, including contributions to science, art and literature. Like you're like, yeah, that makes sense. If any people are contributing to science, art, and literature, that should be taught, right? Right. But the issue with wording, because I'd found a couple things like um, incorporate now, develop a student's respect for cultural and racial diversity, or things like, I had a better one that I thought you would be upset with. The socioeconomic struggle black people endured and continue to endure in working to achieve fair treatment in the United States, as well as the agencies they employ in this work for equal treatment. So like something like that, you'd kind of want to know like what that lesson is. Yeah, exactly. Okay. You know, like, I, why are we... Focusing that much on when our kids cannot read, write, and do math at grade level. Yeah. So there's another one, number five, towards the bottom. Enable students to understand ramifications of prejudice, racism, stereotyping. So the emotional components of it, you're kind of like, hey, man, I think our society, the kids at least, don't naturally have that in them. So shouldn't we spend the time educating them with? good old reading, writing, arithmetic to simplify it because our proficiency scores aren't where you'd like them to be. Right, and we are, I mean, our, our youth today are tomorrow's leaders. So, I mean, if they are indoctrinating our children, which they are, it is going to only lead us United States is the last place of, you know, escape to. You don't see people fleeing from United States. 
it, they're coming here. They said they were when Trump got elected, but I don't know if anyone well, did. Well, clearly they <laughs> Clearly. That was so funny. Like, that was the whole thing. If he gets elected, like, um, So now <laughs> I kind of want to get into the spending part. And we had, you'd said things about like top heavy. And man, I'm telling you, dude, that's 17000 per kid. If that number's on and you think of. And you can look it up on Delaware Report Card. That, I mean, you think about that if our average is one teacher for 22. Right. So we'll go on the high end of a teacher's salary. So it was We are number five in the country. So if we have seventeen K per kid, and if we're at twenty-two kids per classroom, that is three hundred and seventy-four thousand dollars per classroom. If we subtract the teacher's salary and we're being generous at seventy-four thousand dollars. Which allows and that's them. That's not what they make. It's probably not the average, but it does right. allow them to get the stimulus check, and it makes the subtraction real easy for me. That is three hundred k per classroom. That is not teacher related. And yes, there are desks in there, and you have to pay for heating and cooling and smart boards. And every kid has an iPad at Cape, right? So there are a lot of extras and internet servers and Schoology and subscriptions and curriculum purchases, all that gets lumped into that 300K for the class. I've never spent $300,000, but I feel like it's pretty hard to get up to $300,000 per classroom. Oh my gosh. So just talk a little bit about some of your thoughts or some of your hopes of how you would, or what you would do <laughs> with that. I, I mean, mainly, I, I think, and right now, it's probably getting ready to go way up because our property tax is being reevaluated. 2024. Yep. And so it's going to take a huge jump. That, I do. I, I thought Cape's going to fall into a windfall, especially with all the development. Um, I know. Like you just see the signs, like starting from the upper 400s, from the middle 600s. And you're like, whoa. Well, see, that's where I have a huge problem is that I think that it should be the developers that are paying for these referendums. If you fair. are going to develop and, and everything, to make for all these new, you know, kids, us to have to accommodate all these new kids. I I, I think that I our infrastructure is not set for. Yeah. Well, I don't I don't know if you could have that power as a school board member though, right? Like, no, could you feel like that? You'd have to be I'll like a still, lobbyist. I'll still voice it. <laughs> I like it. I'll still voice it. I'll still let it be known. So, <laughs> you, you know, do you have like an ideal number or ratio, like a student to teacher ratio goal? Have you thought about that? Where you're like, you know, it would be awesome if we could have class sizes of blank or something. I think that our ideal would be one to fifteen max. Oh, wow. Okay. But I know that my ch my sons have upwards of 30 kids in their classes. I mean, I've heard of 30-kid classrooms. Um, yeah. 
So then, and are you like, my mind, I'm very analytical. I'm geeky. I love me a spreadsheet. I love me some data. I, I, I nitpick it and I try to evaluate it. I It took me a while to realize that's not everyone's strength. Like I almost think in numbers. I almost don't think in emotion. I think in numbers. It's sad. Are you kind of that analytical driven like your brain works where you can start being Neo in the matrix and just seeing numbers and organizing? Or are you more, I shouldn't say, are you more anything else? But like, how do you deal with numbers? <laughs> What's your comfort level, I guess, is what I'm asking. I like math. Yeah? I, I like math. Math is black and white. There is no gray area. You know, I like right and wrong. Um, I... I think that there's, I don't think that there is being the, the outcome of what the taxpayers are, are, are paying for, yeah, right. for one. And also, one, as a native of Lewis, I have learned that you cannot be born here, go to school here, and without attending or having a doctorate, um, lawyer, any type of those jobs, remain living here as in being able to provide, to buy a home, uh, unless you're a business owner. As a business owner, that's what I have been, you know, preaching to my, my son is a business major. I'm like, go for it. Um, because otherwise it's, you know, what, what do we have here? We have outlets, we have restaurants, we don't have, you know, big corporate jobs that pay big amounts of money to remain living in the especially downtown Lewis, where my, both sides of my family grew up. And so it's like, it's one of those things of, um, you know, we're being, kind of being, a, you know, pushed to the outskirts. I mean, it's a lot of people coming in with money from D.C., New Jersey, New York, yeah, right. and things like that, that can afford yeah, they can drop to live here at the beach. Yeah, and contribute 17K per kid, <laughs> even if they don't have kids. Um, right. So what are some, do you have specific departments or specific places where you'd like to see money shifted do you get to see like have you gone through capes budget and have some ideas on that i i don't and don't have access to that and wouldn't have access to that unless 
you know, fully, you know, elected and, and, but I would definitely be, I'm all, all on board for, you know, more going towards special needs. Um, we have a lot of children with, uh, special needs that need, you know, more assistance, um, and also of assisting with children that of the low income of providing assistance and, you know, getting them opportunity, giving them every opportunity that we can as a school to make it and to thrive. Do you have some specific opportunities? So when you say that, what do you picture in your mind? Like what would be the extra thing that kids would need that you think would help the proficiencies or increasing proficiency? So what was increasing proficiency? I mean, I think that it would be more geared towards instead of classrooms being at age, at academic level. Oh, interesting concept. I've heard about like charter schools that do like fifth, six, seven in the same room kind of a thing. And you just gravitate towards, I'm a really good reader. So I'm almost with the really good reader thing. Interesting. Right. I, I, I think that if, instead of being like, you know, sixth grade is all 12 years old and a teacher having to accommodate, you know, every different level in that classroom, making it more of making it proficiency. Where is it that you are at and being able to gear what your needs are? And so the kids that are excelling can push them even farther. And then the kids that need more help, you know, give them the more help, more attention, divide them into smaller groups, you know, group them and, and give them that and so like i think that that would be like a huge starting point so the rebuttal to that would always be the emotional component which is now you've got like what would old school be like eagles and vultures so like come here vultures and everybody knows it's like code for kids who can't read or something you know and then they get teased then they feel bad and now all of a sudden we have bullying that's rampant and fights and like that would be the typical rebuttal and what would you say to something like that? And, 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 I, and I am right in line with that as well, because I am a, a parent of a child that has suffered um, a lot of mental health issues since COVID, mm. um, dealing with the isolation. Um, I think that it would be more that if we have enough money to build schools the way that we do that we can build schools in a way that it is accommodating to to that area I mean, to where if you have your high proficiency level students at certain areas and 
I, I there's there's certain ways. I mean, I haven't put enough thought gotcha. into it, but there there is ways around it that we can make it happen without having the you the mental impact, like a stigma. Of so you're being like you know, go grab the you know you're yeah. still reading from the yellow. Yeah. Hey, student yeah, ABC, yeah. you come out of the class and go to me. So you're almost seen as like, when, when you started talking about that, my my mind, I go, oh, so typical English class is 60 minutes. Maybe what happens is at the 30 minute mark, everybody switches to somewhere else. And then the kids right. just group. And it's like the smart kids don't go to like to the room that looks like a Starbucks lounge and the lower level or lower reading kids don't go to a room that's like a broom closet. It's like everyone just goes to a new place to work on skills. And that's just kind of what happens. And that would right. make it less obvious and less stigmatizing. Right. Exactly. Gotcha. And, and, and I think that I mean, we, I, we need to start doing things like that. I mean, because especially with our kids that, are not being challenged to the point that they should be. And then we have our kids that are just drowning and are giving up and feel like failures and want to drop out already. So I wanted to ask you about it with, um, but, let me make a note this way we can stay a little bit on topic. Um, so I'll ask you about failures and like holding kids back and kind of grades in a moment, but are there any other things you want to talk about as far as spending? Um, the one to 15 max ratio would be a, to me like a great number to get to. Um, it's interesting to group by skill, not age. Any other things that you'd like to see money more spent towards since there seems to be a lot of it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, really, honestly, the teachers, I, I, I think they deserve a lot more than what they are being paid. Oh, I think so. South, and I believe in Delaware, the salary is like sixty-six percent comes from the state, which I don't think the school board has control over. I think the school board kind of has more pull over the thirty-three percent that's local. I'm I'm almost positive about that. So then you'd think maybe, hey, can we look at taking some of that local money and spreading it out, increasing the local share of the teacher's salary? Yeah. Like, and yeah, I mean, and it also possibly, I mean, after school programs to assist um, children that need help with, you know, homework and, Things that, I mean, anything that we can do to assist every child to reach maximum potential, I think that we need to honestly be focusing on. Yeah. And honestly, I, I think that right now it's, I mean, KPAS does have a lot, you know, of good qualities you know programs but they are also lacking i quite a few as well 
um, lacking some like after school supports. Is that what you mean when you're saying lacking yeah. some programs? You're thinking of that almost like a study hall or a tutoring. Like, could you tutoring mainly tutoring? Like, so, um, they have like they they do have like homework programs, but it's um, not very. There's not much communication that goes on between that program and with the parents. And so I think that the, overall, basically, the, a big problem with Kate is that there is so many different um, online, there's like Schoology, there's Blackboard, there's, there's so many different things that need to all to just be incorporated into one thing as to where parents, teachers, and everyone can communicate, be on the same page, you know, homework be listed, and everything, like everything right there, and easy access, easy accessible. And also, I mean, also, that they're um, even their school boards are not um, virtual. I, I, especially, I mean, with their technology and their money, where they're not having their school boards virtual, is I mm. just is questioning to me. I mean, I, I have, um, like I said, two children, and I had two totally different experiences with their schooling this past year. Whereas my middle schooler, Monday and Tuesdays, I, I elected to put them back in as soon as they could go back. Um, Wednesdays was virtual. His Wednesday was um, hardly no no teachers did virtual. As and far as like Thursday, as far as like zooming with a kid, like yes. have a Zoom classroom. Right, there was nothing. Like, hey man, be here. So if English class is eight o'clock in the morning on a Monday, Tuesday, when you're in the building, there's no eight o'clock in the morning. Wake your butt up and get here on Wednesday on a Zoom. That's what you're right. saying. Gotcha. Okay. Right. So Wednesday was supposed to be Zoom, and then Thursday and Friday was just, you know, assignments. Whereas my 11th grader, his classrooms, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, all he was, like, he was a part of the class classroom. His teachers had Zoom. And he he was logged in and you know a part of the classroom. And I asked this, why was this not mandated across the board? And they were like, oh, well, we left it up to the teachers. And it's like, well, if we have the capabilities of all kids to be in classrooms, whether they're at home or in class, why is this, you know, 
And so it, it was... Yeah, it's in, had you spoken or have any teachers spoken to you and told you why they would elect to not... I guess it'd be like have a web, have a live webcam in their classroom while they're teaching. Did anybody, because to me, that's like the simplest analogy, right? You throw up a webcam, you throw up an iPad. It, like we're in a Zoom right now. I walk away, I go to the wall and you're just watching. Um, did, have you spoken to any teachers as to why they elected or didn't want that? Um, I have only spoken to the ones that have, that do do it. Okay. And the other ones have not. It'd be interesting. Do you have theories like why they why they were resistant to it? Uh, I guess I shouldn't. Even, I, that's a jerk question. I don't. Yeah, want, I don't yeah, want, yeah that's, that's I offering it. You know, a, a, an opinion that. Yeah, that is just speculation. I shouldn't have even asked it. I'm sorry. I'm just. It, it's curious to me, like, um, wh why you would or why you wouldn't. But that's that's not your call. <laughs> um, so. Yes, yeah, I think that it should have been mandated. Yeah. And I, I could understand, and even for the simple fact of just the excuse that your kid stays on a schedule that's five days a week, man, and you're, you're like, you're, dude, you got to wake up and like do something. You're not freaking sleeping in till one in the afternoon. <laughs> Get up for your Zoom. <laughs> I was at my um, breaking point. And this is where all of me running for board came from, was I knew what was occurring with my male child, my seventh grader, uh, was not working. And I felt like I was failing him. Yeah. I was like, I am failing my child. If I do not find the resolution to fix this, and because this is not working and that is probably one of the single hardest feelings as a parent that yeah as to know that to feel that you are you are personally responsible for you know failing them or for not finding the resolution to help what was failing them. And um, it was then that I voiced my, opinion, you know, my thoughts on, um, on Facebook. Which, well, that's the best place to go. Hopefully you had like several glasses of wine and it was really late at night. And you were like, oh, well, <laughs> Well, one, it was... Um, oh, did you? Oh, my gosh. That'd be... <laughs> well, I, I, hold on. It gets better. <laughs> so, it, it was after... Um, one, I... My... Okay, so, my mom died last January. And then my brother, my younger brother, died this January 1st. Oh, my God. And just a couple weeks after that, I got notice from a mutual friend of a family member that they said that I post too much, too many political vote or political perspectives. Posts. Yeah. And I am the type of person that, you know, 
of course, one got upset by it. Um, my husband's like, he was like, your emotions are raw right now. He's like, just, he's like, just, you know, don't worry about it. Don't hit send. Don't hit yeah. send. <laughs> well, he's like, don't worry about it. Don't let it bother yeah. you. And it ate at me and ate at me and ate at me. So finally I was like, you know what? No. And so I was like, and this was my post. I was like, to those or to the one or those of you that feel like I post too many political posts. I was like, catch this. I was like, number one, I am a mom first and foremost. I was like, two, I was like, I will scream to the mountains if I feel like it will help my children or their children. I was like, three, I don't care what political side you are on. I was like, it is so these some is incons inconspicuous and some radical law changes that are going to affect my children and my children's children. I was like, four. I forget what that one was, but five, I was like, check one, two, and three again. <laughs> Great. Best way to end it, right? It's I like if like, rule one did like, not work. <laughs> yeah. You know? In other words, and so I posted it there, and then I posted it with um, also a group that I'm a member of, um, and Patriots for Delaware. And um, James called me within 30 seconds and was like, I need you to run for state, you know, school board. I'm like, me? Why me? I'm trying to get my kids the hell out of there. <laughs> I'm like, I was like, you know, and he, he was like, no, that's why. He was like, you see what's going on. Mm. And, he, and I was like, you know, and immediately I was like, if I can help more than just my children, I am all in. Now, mind you, I went from the death of my mom, who was my best friend, um, my biggest supporter, um, for, I mean, I, watching her, you know, with, her fight with pancreatic cancer to then COVID hitting and then the loss of my little brother. And so I, being the kids were, you know, taken out of school, I was able to start working from home. So I was remaining within my four walls, which was like, the safety of my four walls, I guess. Right. Yeah, within your so, control. Um, I started getting like um, something um, anxiety, social anxiety. I had never had, never experienced before. And I went from zero to a hundred in a second from being like, you know, 
it was the next day signing up for school boards and having you know my name posted all over everywhere and the one thing that i you know in the morning i wake up and i get right i with with god and i am going to remain true to myself my values my beliefs i know that i am a i i have concern for our country our children and i genuinely care yeah and i mean if you're someone who wants to change and I, everybody talks about that but i was amazed going through some school board races how a lot of positions are unopposed and how few votes so many districts get um, with their um, with their elections, but the local level, like Sussex County Council and the school board, it don't get more local than that. And people who are upset at growth and upset at curriculum or upset at choices that are being made or influenced in their environment, so few people actually take the time to run and then try to do something about it because it does. It really seems like a freaking freaking hassle. Um, at least county council, it, it, you, you get I'll, paid. I'll, school board. I'll tell you. It's, <laughs> it's a lot, man. It, it seems like a lot. It it has been it has been a lot, and um, I, you know, every bit of it is worth it. For, I mean, for all of our children, for our future, for I mean, first to remain a free country, to have our rights and liberals and, you know, to have the ability to be who we want to be, you know, like, I mean, I have a, a brother that is very left wing. He's my, has been my biggest contributor to my campaign as a conservative, Right. you know, but it's, one of those things of, of uniting, we have to unite as the people in order if we're going to, to right. make a stance. Yeah. And, and even thrive as a country, right? Like a, a house divided doesn't stand. So you want to thrive right. as a country and you do need unity to do that. Plus, yes, d destruction just sucks. <laughs> um, I want to, the note I had taken, or I guess before I get to that, anything else that you'd like to say about the spending part like the budgetary stuff i know we got a little sidetracked <laughs> um budgetary i i mean it's an interesting the one to 15 ratio as a, as a goal it is an interesting thing i in grouping by skill interesting thing um getting money to teachers through the local funds interesting thing increasing after school programs. That was actually the last thing I'll ask about that. Would you like to see more like, hey, you've, hey, student A, you've taken a test in reading. You're not very proficient in reading. We're going to offer like not homework help, but like an after school class. Yes. Is that what you see yes. it more as like, hey, let's not get you to complete worksheet just to speak in generalities, but let's actually have some like targeted skill and tutoring. Yes. that teachers can get paid to do after school. Yes. 
Okay. Absolutely. That's what I thought I, I, I had heard when you were talking about tutoring. I thought it wasn't more like babysitting study hall. Like you want actual, it'd be great if you struggle with biology in 10th grade. Hey man, can we offer someone some money to teach an extra biology class and prep kids to then demonstrate proficiency on their um, standardized test? Definitely. Gotcha. Definitely. Yeah, I, I, interesting. I, I, we no longer, I, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but we no longer take the nationwide test. For, to, for like when the kids get ranked, like you get a one, two, three, or a four? No, for like the Delaware state testing. Yeah, yeah, that's, so the, yeah, they get a one, two, three, or four on that. That's their proficient. Right, so you get right. a three or we're, four. We're state huh. testing because of how poor we were doing in the nationwide test. Do you know the name of the nationwide test? That's interesting. Um, I didn't know that. Not offhand. I'm Googling on a Zoom. Um, <laughs> I do it all the time. Yeah, I, I, I didn't mean to hit you with it, but that's interesting because I know it went to, I don't know, it was DSTP for a while and then it was something and then it was smarter balance but i didn't i didn't know that i didn't know that so do you know how that happened like was that the delaware board of education or was that legislators i, I, I don't know how that, that happened hmm. it was um me doing research that found out that we are no longer on no longer taking the nationwide to determine testing proficiency and you're talking about like hey the state test at the end of the year where you sit down for a couple hours and you read a bunch of stuff and then you get a reading score or a writing or a reading and a math and then different grades do like science and social studies that kind of thing right right okay right all right yeah well i, I thought we were the fifth highest in spending yeah. per student yeah it's um i, I want to talk a little bit about grading and failures because i'm always interested in parents' perspectives, because we want rigor, but if my kid gets a C, oh no, kind of a thing, and like they're flipping out, or my kid can't fail. So I'm curious your viewpoints on maybe just grades in general, like accountability comes to mind with kids. I just kind of want to hear yes. you talk about that. I am number one about accountability. I think that it starts one, at home, um, discipline and structure starts at home. And that's why you're talking about that kind of a template for all kids at Cape would make it easier to have accountability at home because now the parent knows the system and the parent knows this is what matters, this is the due date, this is the time, and I can do that where it's hard right. to hold a kid accountable on three different platforms well, to navigate. Where you don't know where to yeah. look for anything. And even within a class. So, oh my God, that's so true. So if you got one kid in middle school, one kid in high school, you're looking at like 10. And I've got three kids. Yeah, well, the one private school I wasn't including, but you're looking at 10 to 12 different teachers to communicate with? Yes. Yeah, man, that could I could, that, that's you, a lot to try to stay on you, top of. You are, I mean, and that's on top of getting, say you work a nine to five job. Yeah. Getting home, getting your kids fed. Yeah. Homework, fast. I mean. Maybe actually then, doing something fun with them. 
<laughs> yeah, good luck with that one. I mean, that's like no, yeah, you're, Dude, it, you're like the drill sergeant, like at that point. I mean, yeah. it's it's very um very uh very challenging. Yeah, that's and another... I think that we need to do a better job of grouping everything. But yes, accountability is number one. Um, I think that that is one of the biggest problems that we have in society. Well, what could the school or the school board do to increase student accountability? Or what would you hope they could do? Is one is that making, holding kids accountable for their actions. I am making sure that the kid, the management is following through with the steps of discipline. You know, the one, you get your verbal warning, two, you get X, three, it's, you know, that's what occurred with while I was in school. And holding to that, I mean, you have to, I mean, mean, kids have to be accountable for, just like an example for me with my boys, they are accountable for their laundry. If they don't do their laundry. Just stinky clothes. <laughs> go they in, are go in going the to wear stinky clothes. <laughs> go, go dig it out. Have fun at it, gym. <laughs> and it's because I am not only raising children, I am raising future men. So, counter argument, and not to, we've kind of gotten into the systematic racism, the critical race theory, but the feed or the um, pushback would be steps of discipline proportionally unfairly targeting those minorities. And now you would take it a step further and say, so if I follow those steps, a kid's suspended, so how are they going to learn? If the goal is to get kids in school to learn, but then I suspend them and get them out of school, how do we increase proficiency? Okay, so one, there is, I would like to see where there is the the data to show that kids of are targeted of minority disproportionate what would that be minority disproportionately yeah. being show, disciplined right please show me that children are targeted are they Are there, is there more discipline happening to those of minorities? And if so, are you telling me that a child that is white, that is doing the same thing, not being disciplined? Do you get what I'm saying? The data is not there to show to support that. Okay, so really what is the problem is So that would be like the classic the classic disruption of class. So 
a, a black kid can stand up and yell, they get kicked to the principal's office. A white kid stands up and yells. They get told, I, I'm going to call your home, sit down, and but they don't get that next level. So you'd kind of like to see, number one, does the data show the black kids or, or the minorities are getting disciplined? But then number two, are the other kids, white kids, I guess, actually doing the behavior to get disciplined and then just not getting disciplined, like kind of getting over because you would like them, you'd be like, dude, if if you shout out in class, regardless, you seem like a regardless person. You seem very standards based. (laughs) If you're you're supposed to be be quiet, shut up and be quiet. Like, I don't care who you are. It's time to be quiet. (laughs) I, I am very much for if my kid is being bad, be the first one to discipline him. Call me. I will be the next one to jump gotcha. on him. Okay. Um, I am very, um, very much about acting. And I know just one of the biggest honors that can be um, told to a parent. And I was, I was given the other day by a teacher that taught my now 11th grade or in eighth grade, which is that your child is, was always so respectful. And I'm like, thank you. I'm like, you know, like Those that is, you feel good. you're like, thank God. You they know, can act right. <laughs> you know, like at least he knows how to act outside of the house. Yeah. <laughs> you know? One of those things. I mean, I think that it is one of the things that is required um, of, uh, of structure and discipline and of being them being known what is expected, accepted, and not tolerated. Gotcha. So behavior, and, and that's that's definitely focused a little more on behavior. I'm a little curious too. So now, if we take that same kind of mindset, zeros failing grades, too many assignments. I'm curious having kids and I'm sure you've seen a bunch of different syllabi, syllabuses, (laughs) syllabi, um, a bunch of different ways to grade. I'm curious, do you have like a homework should never be assigned? We have too, we don't do enough homework, too many zeros. I can't deal with 55 grades. I can't deal with this teacher only grades two things and it's one test. So uh, I guess that was a very broad way to say Grading wise, what are your opinions? <laughs> um, honestly, it it has differed um, with each child. Um, I think that it also differs between sexes with kids of huh. where their strengths are. Um. Feel like girls think, are way more organized. Homework gets yes, done by girls. Yes, boys. <laughs> my gonna, boys. <laughs> if we my want to boys stereotype are, a little bit. They're lazy, but I mean, my one <laughs> test can pull it through. Right. As to where my seventh grader, I'm now um, really. This, this is where I have a big problem. He was pushed through sixth grade because of COVID. 
And then seventh grade this year, they've learned, the students know in Cape District that they don't have to do anything because they are being passed. So what would you have done? So if you're the school board, and actually, I guess Carney came out. So I don't know if the school board, much like the six feet, much like open the schools, much like House Bill 198, if a law comes down, the school board doesn't get to be like, now nah, we don't follow that law. The school board, Delaware News, had that was part of their article. The school board is supposed to follow legislation. Carney came out and it said, all kids are going to pass. No one will be held accountable, or I forget the exact word, but basically no one will be held accountable um, for the last market period or punished for COVID. I don't want to misspeak for him. But so that was kind of a wash. But now seventh grade, he has not come out and said that. For your child, it's seventh grade year. Chief, so, I've already met with the superintendent. And, and yeah, what my kind of child who is failing every single class, and this is one of those times that I had to take a, a stance of there's sometimes that you, I mean, you can, you have to let your child fall mm. for them to learn a lesson. And I was, that was going, I was, I let, I fought with him, fought with him, fought with him, and was going, and let him know, I'm going to let you fall. You're going to fail. You're going to be in seventh grade again. And lo and behold, met with Mr. Fulton, and no, he would be, although he's failing every single, every single class. Is being passed through to the eighth grade. So, what do you think We're, that that's doing? Yeah, well, <laughs> that is what setting him up for ultimately dropping out really, because he's going to feel like a failure. Okay. He's going to feel like he's um, he can't catch up. That he, you know, he gives up. And everything like that. I mean, it's setting him up for failure. And I, you know, it, it, I don't think I, they're like, you know, he's like, well, we can't punish kids for, you know, COVID related. And it's like, no, really, you can. Like these assignments were given to these kids. And it was him neglecting to do that. And yes, as a child, I mean. It, um, is, it is hard, man. We, Good grief. 12-year-old internet game system, just life, right? Like, man, I, I don't well, know if I'm one, sitting there and grinding on my own for seven hours. Well, one, he, we've known that he was ADHD from the age of three. But we um, have never had him medicated because I don't believe in big pharma and medicating <laughs> our youth. I hate big pharma. Um, I'm not. And so I, I've always been, so I've never allowed him to be tested. 
Gotcha. I was at such a breaking point that I took him to the doctor, had him tested, which you do the Connor one test and the teacher does the Connor test. Totally opposite scores. Huh. And she's like, well, we only see this when, one, it's either a parent that is just over, you know, overreacting, or two, a teacher not paying attention. And I, I was like, well, I was like, she's probably seen my child a total of uh, 20 times this year. Yeah, man. For that's... 45 minutes. Meanwhile, I'm trying to work from him and I'm trying to make him do schoolwork and have to go in and take a phone call. And the second I walk in, he's gone. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, so you think the in the would it be the embarrassment of failing seventh or having to repeat seventh grade that you would hope would motivate him to be like, dude, I'm not doing, I'm not failing seventh. I'm not going to be the eighteen year old driving <laughs> to middle school kind of a thing that would get him to just complete some assignments. No, I think that he whereas um, my older son. His birthday is in October. So he oh, okay. is so like kid. the oldest in his class. Whereas my younger son, his birthday is in July. Oh, wow. So he is the baby in the class. Yeah, year can make a difference. And so I think that maybe, you know, that year of development would yeah you know, I'm, I'm trying make, yeah. A lot, make a lot of change oh dude so, i mean a years developmentally early on it's funny because you can get older and what you see like a 40 year old married a 30 year old and you're like ah, a decade that's eh, a little bit but it's eh, it's acceptable but like you would get freaked out senior to freshman right four years and in school a single year is right. monumental man like kids change in the middle of years Light bulbs right. happen, puberty. I mean, there's there's so much to get into. Um, so, like, what could the board do, not just for you and for your kid, but for kids like that who are failing? Like, do you give parents an option? Do you send home a Google survey? Hey, do you want your kid held back? Your child failed. Click here if you want your kid to repeat the grade. Click here if you want them passed on. Like, how do? You, what's the solution or what's the go-to? The solution would be contacting parents and, and asking, talking to them. Um, even I, another thing that I would ask is they are constantly, you know, sending out climate surveys, but are they sending out any surveys to children asking them about their home, ex, home life? You know, hmm. like, I, are the, the children that are, that they know are in abusive households, physically, mentally, emotionally, you know, sexually abusive households, are they doing, like, sending out anything 
to these children to get them, you know, it would almost be like a hotline. Yeah. So, hey, you haven't been doing assignments and then you send a kid a survey and a kid would probably be pretty honest clicking buttons and sending it back in. And then all of a sudden something pops up where it's like my my mom and dad both lost their job and I, we, we don't have a ton of food or just something extra where then you're like, wow, let's reach out to them. That's a pretty good point. Right. You know, I, I do wonder about that. That's a they, they, they aren't doing anything like that. Like, and it's, you know, like, it's little, little things. Like, if you can send home and, you know, a single assignment, why can you not send these assessments to the children assessing, you know, their, even their mental status, you know, yeah, finding yeah. out, like, if they're suicidal, Finding out where they're at. Like, I mean, yeah. a lot of students, I mean, it, it's more, a lot more can be being done. And I think we need to do better. This and is, we need to do more. That's a, that, I mean, to me, that's a very interesting point because it does. And, and it's funny, and I'm not saying you're hypocritical in any way. But it's the the public equity test that we started off on versus a private expression of I need help. And who's more likely to be honest and then get the help? Because at the end of the day, the equity test, you want empathy from that. You want to learn and you want to hopefully empower to overcome. And a survey like that, you're hoping the same thing. Dude, I just want to help. I want to get you what you need. But which one is more likely to get the kid what they need, I would think think a survey if we're talking about let's make sure you can learn and function let's make sure you're ready to grow as a learner that, that i mean yeah. i i, I not thought about that that's a great um to me that's a great point yeah like i, I mean I, generally i just i just want to help I, I, and, and and be a facilitator of the voice of parents and of you know of our of our future yeah as a country you know the it, it lies in the hands of today's youth tomorrow's leaders and, and my my future social security check helper outer man i mean i want to get my check so i, I need earners out yeah there. good luck with that yeah. <laughs> i need earners to keep my keep me solvent i'm i'm curious it's so, Elementary school got away from number grades. Middle school, high school still has number grades. So you went, you transitioned, and I would assume your child, when they were in fifth grade, you were a parent that dealt with the most of the time, some of the time. You're freezing up a little bit. I'm sorry. I was talking about the elementary school grades and how Uh they're like most of the time, some of the time. And then you transition to middle school where you go back to, 93 to 100s and A, the 85, like the numbers that most people are comfortable with. And I'm curious, board-wise, do you have an opinion? Do you have some sort of stance? Do you have something you'd like to see? Do you feel one grading system's better than another or more effective or better for kids? Um, you know, honestly, I, I only, I mean, 
the elementary. It, it was it's the S G, you know, satisfactory, good, right? Yeah, you know, those, and then the with Cape, it's the you know hundred to ninety three, ninety two to. You know, eighty five, um, and so forth. I, I really, I mean, I. It's okay if you have thought about I, it. I, 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 mean, I really don't. I really don't have a, a thought preference on that. I mean, I think that um, with elementary, it's hard to give a a number grade. Um, as to, you know, yeah, like if, if a kindergartner's like, Hey man, you're an A student because you know, colors, right. <laughs> like what right. is a, what is a D color knower? Right. Like you right. only know right. two of you the know, colors. Like, and you're, they, I mean, that's a so, decent point. Right. Cause it is skills, right? Yeah. Elementary. Yes. It's just skills. We just want you to practice your skills. We don't want you to think you're a failure, right? We want you to think, Hey man, I'm just not there yet. I just got to get better. I'm la I got this skill, but I need to get better at this skill. Right. So yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I I I, I don't know. My daughter um is in fifth grade now. She's um going up to sixth grade. I, I'm pretty sure she's gonna pass. <laughs> and um, it, it's something that I kick around. Like, is the elementary grading system? Am I okay with it? And the more I think about it, I do think like you just can't. Kids learn best when they play and when they're not fearing failure when they're feeling support and connected. that That's the cognitive development. Yes. So the fact that the schools have two different grading systems, I'm like, well, I'm like, is that good or bad? I'm like, well, maybe it's almost like what you're saying that let's group them by skills. It seems like we're grading by cognitive development. And I feel like that's a pretty neat thing. I feel like kids feel comfortable exploring and trying things because they're not worried about, oh my God, is that an A? Am, am, am I still on honor roll? You know, right. and, and they're free to learn. Right. Very much so. What, what uh, school does oh, your I don't daughter... Want, I, I don't want to say. I don't want to say. <laughs> no, it... we're happy. I'm, I'm happy with it, though. I, I don't have complaints. I've, um, I've, voiced, I've voiced complaints, and um, I've, people have gotten back to me. I felt heard, and I felt um, validated, and she's had a wonderful experience. She's been... I feel very fortunate that all the teachers she's had, she feels they've connected with her, they valued her, they've empowered her, and I feel like she's thrived. I don't feel like she's been neglected, overlooked in, in any way, and I feel like she's a pretty good student, and I, and I feel like she's pretty compliant, and I feel like it could be easy. She's also a little quiet, so she'd be one of those kids that could just get things done, and you'd kind of just leave in the back. You know, and you'd be like, oh, cool. No trouble. She'll be fine. And you could ignore her. But um, it doesn't yeah. seem like that happens. It seems like she gets feedback that's meaningful um, and she gets challenged. And, and I've, I've been extremely happy with it. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I've always um, been very happy with Cape. Um, I, I guess I really had my first upset. I... My oldest son, he went from Milton Elementary to Mariner and loved, great experience. Um, my younger son, he started at Shields 
And when they opened up Love Creek, they did a reroute. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it sent him down to Rehoboth Elementary. And it, I, he, although he did okay, I down there. Um, it, was, it was really where the challenge came in was when um, he went to Beacon. And I think it was really that um, acceptance of, or that change in where all the teachers prior had already been implementing all the um, like counter scale scores, like uh, things for ADHD mm -hmm. with him. Um, oh, without with, being diagnosed. Without, so it was just like, right. hey, man, that's our instructional practice. We give him a break. We let the boy bounce or stand up. We we figure we out ways to modify. We let him bouncy ball. We give him gotcha. the bungee cord. Like they did everything. Um, and then when he went over into sixth grade, was where it kind of like fell apart. Um, and then from there, it was after this past year with the year that we had um the things that gotcha it was I, a little more grown wait, up and you were hoping for more like the relational hey man can we just see what's going on like a professional choice for pedagogy for um practice like work with them a little bit right gotcha. right and i also i i i don't feel that there is any place for politics or political ideo ideology in schools unless you're taking a class in politics. <laughs> and so for you to have a school board and a superintendent, all of one political affiliation, with the exception of one, how is that accurately representing a community? Interesting point. And so that is where I, you know, I don't think that nothing's being challenged. If you watch any of the minutes, anything, everything is just boom, 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 boom. I mean, there's, there's no discussion. There's no nothing. It's, and it's very, um, you know, I think that a lot more attention needs to be, be um, voices need to be raised and attention needs to be gotten are you, at least. Are you talking about from like a curriculum stand? Because we haven't really got in, gotten into curriculum. We kind of started off with the equality test that you spoke about. But do you have some things about curriculum that you want to bring up? Um, not so much curriculum. Um, a, a curriculum, I, I don't know how you add diversity into like math unless you're taking the students and dividing them by their race and teaching them to divide. I mean, I don't know how you're adding a diversity into every curriculum or into every class. Um, I think that the focus has um, has gone more towards a political 
stance than a place of just educating children. Can you give me some more specifics or the implementation of how the politics are going in? Like in math class, or, or do you feel like you're, the kids are getting... Um... Oh, I was given a slideshow. I went in and, well, my children have told me that they have BLM chucked down their throat. I've had the teachers tell me that they have to incorporate it into every class. I guess I'm, uh, yeah, right. I'm, it, I'm trying to think of like, a. it's some of the stuff you've said, and I, maybe it, it's just my mind, like um, the scheduling or the grouping when you were talking about, um, yeah, we don't want to make it so obvious. And I'm like, oh, cool. So then everyone changes and everyone goes to new rooms. And I'm like, this way, it's not obvious. It's hard for me to visualize what you're saying. So I'm, I'm not trying to be like a jerk to like dig down or anything like that. I'm, I guess, like you said, how do you teach diversity in math? Do we divide by race? I'm trying to like think like no, no, in no, science like, class, what is the political component of it, like that's coming at them in science or in art? Exactly. Or, that's that that is my thought. I mean, but you're feeling that like is, that's happening, huh? No, I know that it is. I was huh. I went to a um, meeting with Mr. Fulton, and it was incorporated into the slideshow that he is supposed to be sending me tomorrow morning. And it says in it that diversity is incorporated into every class. And from a, a, a teacher that has taught with the district or quite a few years, um, and she says that um, they have always been told to always teach unbiasedly. And now they are having to teach the BLM movement into every curriculum. Hmm. And so my thought is it behind that is is explain to me how that is in how how do you incorporate that into classes like, you know, English, or, you know, like, what is it that they are having to do? Um, and it is, and even at our, she, she's like, I'm sick of it. She's like, I, I mean, she's like, and all of us are. She's like, you know, that we are, Told one thing, but forced to do another. And it is, I mean, it for me, I mean, my whole stance on it is, is unity and uplifting all children. So you cannot uplift all children if you're putting down 
another. Um, and I, I mean, you can't dispute the facts. I mean, the facts are black on black crime. And I mean, it is much higher. And I mean, the, if, if they're, I mean, black lives matter so much. Why is it that there's the abortion rate for black, black lives is the number that it is? Like, I mean, there's just so much that, I mean, that you are, it's a lot of words with a lot of emotions being created rather than logical thinking and unity being made. I mean, I, I, my home for my son and his friends is a home where all of them are welcome. There are multiple different races. They are welcome to, and they know, walk in, help yourself to the fridge, kick your feet up, you're well, you're at home. I mean, that's the type of home that I want to have and always offer for my children and as long as my children know respect and, and boundaries, you know, and they... It really does seem like there's a huge disconnect between perception of you, you say like Delaware Patriot Party and I haven't gone, I like, I haven't gone to the website or Facebook groups or anything like that. But I think it does get lumped down to like Trump, right? And then all this extra goes with Trump, but everything you're explaining, the, the vibes and the emotion seem like anti-Trump, not that you're anti-Trump, but it's so inclusive. It's so warming. It's so kid-centered. It's so... Can, can we support teachers with more money and make sure kids get in smaller classes? And like, can, can we make sure kids can add and not worry so much That's about it. like the, the emotional states? Can we get to the functional things that will help them in life? But it wouldn't, but if you just read a headline, it really would be like, it would be like old school tea party where people always thought tea party. Oh, the tea party is the, the, the super right wing closet racist, you're like, are they all or might they just have some conservative policies that if you spoke to them and listened instead of shouted back at them, you would understand like, wow, she like they're they're just loving people. <laughs> and see, and that is what Patriots for Delaware is. It is if you go to the website, bring it up real quick. Is, am I going to catch some sort of virus? Will I get flagged by some sort of government agency? Not at all, because it's not Trump whatsoever, because they are not party affiliated. Okay. They will not unite with the G GOP or anything. 
Gotcha. And I think part of the, it, it's funny when I bring up the website, we got that glitch again. And I wonder if it's just my um, shitty country internet. <laughs> um, so Patriots for Delaware values. We believe in our great country, hard work, gratitude, God, the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, charity, personal responsibility. That would be their slogan. Right. And what they are looking for, what they are trying to do is if you take the, okay, so you take Repu Republicans and Democrats, you have extreme Republicans and extreme Democrats, the 60% in the middle. Which, like, most people are, man. And are, that, yeah, I think most people are. are. All of us really are. Yeah. We have the same values. We all have the same thoughts. Yeah. Right. That's, we all have the same alignment. And that is their movement. Is that it's, they won't align with Republicans or with Democrats. It is, but we also know they also know that we can't create a new party. That's you know? something I, I don't want to, I don't want to get too off. Cause I feel like we could almost just do a separate podcast on getting to know more about you, not your platform for school board, <laughs> um, which maybe we'll but, do. But right? also, but no Monday night, a huge thing is going on. Hudson field, um, six to nine. Uh, and it's going to be um, from six to seven and meet and greet with me. And then seven to nine will be a Patriots for Delaware meeting, which will we are targeting and trying to get people from Cape District there to see and hear that it is just about liberty. It is just about. It's not about party affiliation whatsoever. Yeah. Well, what I was going to kind of challenge is like, I think so many people have been looking for a third party and I can't wrap my head around it. I didn't want to get too much into it is what I was getting at. But I, I feel the country's almost craving that moderate third party that they feel identify with the majority. Um, I was just where, agreeing with you. It's a <laughs> where, where the problem with that is 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 a splitting the vote. Yeah, right. The Ross Perot theory, where you just take votes from one side and it doesn't affect the other. Right. Um, so we got into some good stuff. State testing. We almost spent an hour on the equality. I feel like I understand more about your stance on the House Bill One Ninety Eight. And really the issue, again, Al, I've said it a couple times now, is more like the guilting and the divisiveness of that you see in the bill versus the actual, let's make sure we give credit where credit's due. Let's expand horizons of scientific, um, what would, uh, not accomplishments. Like, like when someone helps, what's the word? When someone helps, God, this is terrible. I can't remember the word. Where people like aid and add to academic areas. You're good with all that stuff. Really, it's just the divisiveness that you see in the bill because you just want all kids to be uplifted. 
We got yes. into that. We got into a little bit of money goals and spending. We got a little bit into grading policy. Is there something we haven't covered that you wanted to touch base on that mattered to you for school board wise? Um, basically, uh, yes. One, um, one, my main points are children first. Um, I feel like school boards are making decisions that are best for the district and not necessarily the children. And my goal is to focus on what is best for the children. Is this going to benefit the children or is this going to benefit the district? Hmm. And so my, my main focus is children first. Um, secondly is reopening schools 100%, um, of course, safely. So and I'm curious about so. that because isn't that just a gar a carny thing? Like, does the school board have the autonomy to be like, we don't care about social distancing, come on in. We don't care about your bus limits, come on get, in. Like, how do you over or supersede the governor on that? Get get creative. Huh. It's time it's time to get creative. If my daughter's private school was able to bring back K through 12, all of their kids back in August, then why? And they only make half the amount of money per student. Do they have to follow the same guidelines though? Because they don't yes. get state funding. Oh, yes. really? Okay. Yes. See, I would have thought like, because you're not nope. getting state funding, you get to be mask nope. free if you want to kind of nope. a thing. Nope. No, huh. they have to wear masks, everything else. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so, uh, but get creative like they did. Picnic tables, pavilions, outdoor classrooms, everything. We have the money for it. Yeah. Let's do it. Also, are you using the areas like the um, gymnasium and multi-purpose rooms and things like that as classrooms, building walls, you know, partitioners and having, it's time. If they wanted to do it, they could. Okay. It, it, it could definitely be done. Also, I want a hundred percent transparency for all academic and non-academic curriculum being taught. What is, does that mean like cameras in a classroom? Does that mean like, yeah. hey, just got to list the books that you're going to read or I need to see your lesson plans? What is 100% transparency? Lessons plans and then with the non-academic material is what are you implementing into your curriculum? Oh, okay. Basically, BLM, you know, sex ed, things like that. I, and it should be as a parent's right and as a taxpayer's right 
to opt our child out if we want it. Opt them out of? The non-academic material that are being taught. So sex ed. If that is sex ed, it's the starting of fifth grade. There's a lot of kids that, you know, that's, don't need sex education that goes against their, their housing, you know, their religious values. Yeah. I mean, well, some parents might just not want to put that spirit in them. <laughs> like you don't want to open the eyes or open Pandora's box, right? They just might exactly. not feel it's age appropriate. Like that's exactly don't even have to be religious. Uh, and, and, and honestly, yeah. as for me, I want to be able to have that yeah, talk right. with my children. Yeah. You know, that I mean, that's my way as a parent to, to that, have yeah. that talk. Something so to be able to opt our children out of non-academic material. Can they currently not? I feel like you'd be able to. Or is it like you would like the notification of, hey, this is coming up. Almost like a lunch menu, like click here for this, click here if you don't want that. Or how do you, because I feel like if you would send in a note to be like, hey man, when the sex talk comes up, my kid's not getting it. And no, it should be being sent to parents home gotcha. with paperwork, with signed consent gotcha. for just like a permission slip to go on a field trip gotcha okay that, i can visual and again i'm not asking to be a jerk i just try to like visualize yeah. and the permission right, right. slip thing makes okay so you get like almost like a beginning of the year packet where you're filling out all the papers and then maybe you get this hey this class is going to get over boom 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 if you're not cool with any of it make sure you let us know click this box check this thing send this back in right okay. or you know, next week, you know, we're going to be talking about X, Y, and Z. Gotcha. And if you're not okay with it, if it's not about reading, writing, math, you know, science, social studies, then. Because yeah. the state does we, outline, there are regulations of credits and classes kids have to have in order to be promoted. And you're not saying I can opt out of England. I don't believe in reading no, kind of a thing. No, no, it's no, actually, no not that. Yeah. Not that at all. Gotcha. But I'm saying that a fifth grader does not need sex ed. Yeah, parents' choice more so than the school's choice. And I think that gets back to your government control part that you are um, very passionate yes. about. Okay. That is, a, you know, overstepping of parental boundaries. Gotcha. Um, Basically, also the mental health awareness. Um, yeah, I think the, that's coming, right? I think the state passed a bill where there's like a certain number of kids earn a credit or they get paid for a counselor. I thought that just happened a couple months ago. I was unaware of that. Gotcha. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut uh, you off. Um, let me, no, I, I was unaware of that because my son has suffered a huge depression um it, it's been something i've never thought that i've ever you know experienced and is heartbreaking 
Yeah. Okay. So, and uh, it absolutely would be. And I can tell you that the, the, it almost breaks the counselor's heart because you just look at logistics and the overwhelming number student population versus people who are trained and schooled to help kids and the time they need. That's not like a two minute check-in. Hey buddy, you good? Oh, you feeling sad? Here's a little piece of candy. Go about your day. Things will get better. Look at this meme. Like that's a time and relationship thing. Um, and you and can't I, do that. I, I talked to um, one of the counselors that is was hired for King, and um, they are so busy. I bet putting out fires. Yeah, daily fires that they are even able to. Cancel. Yeah, like any have child. a regular session. Like, hey, every Tuesday at eleven o'clock, from eleven to eleven thirty, this is our time. We're gonna have lunch together. Or instead of going to whatever, you're not going to keyboarding class. You're coming to me, and we're gonna meet and talk about stuff. Um, yeah. So it's actually House Bill one hundred introduced on three nineteen nineteen. Um, this act establishes a mental health service unit for Delaware elementary schools. The unit is at a ratio of 250 students for a full-time school counselor, social worker, or licensed clinical social worker. Additionally, a unit of 700 full-time equivalent students for grades K-5 for a exactly. full-time psychologist. But you know what I don't see in there? K-5 is... Yeah, I'm not seeing anything from middle school to high school. Exactly. Wait. The years that need it most. Okay, so and then also something else for you to be aware of is this welcomingschools.com that is our schools are teaching from is um incur encouraging our children to wear if they are not comfortable with their anatomy that they it's okay that they can just dress different and we'll call them by a different name or call you by a different name and we're we won't notify your parents and they're protected by law oh wow Welcomingschools.com, you're saying? That's the... Dot org. Dot org. Yes. Check it out. And... Wow. Yeah, that would yeah. be... I've heard of different services that a kid, a child, can get in a school that the parent isn't aware of. And, like, I remember it was an uproar. Like, you can go to the... I wasn't nurse, like the wellness clinic and get free condoms kind of a thing. And it's like, your parents don't have to know. And it's like, we're allowing that? That's terrible. But hold this on, seems like level. Okay. Okay. So that. that was while I was in high school. Okay. Yeah. All right. Wellness centers were put into high school. Now they're put, wanting to put wellness centers into elementary school which will be implementing 
the sexual change. Yeah, and it, it really just seems, um, again, because you seem to come from a place of, hey, I'm the parent. You just seem so concerned that the government is going to be making some parental choices that you feel, hey, man, I'm the parent. I get the right to make that choice. Plus, I'm right. paying you tax the dollars. Right, the army team. Yeah, right? The team. Yeah, yeah. You know? Like, if my 17-year-old could not go in and have blood work done another day without me, how can you be giving and talking to my child about them his gender identity or something like that exactly. without me knowing so that I could try to support them so that our family right. values could be aligned that we've tried to establish. Right. I mean, because God knows, I mean, my, like I said, my brother is gay and I, they have grown up with their uncles being their biggest supporters. I mean, it is not like I am, anti no yeah but why well, i i honestly would think like it would it would be worrisome and i'm just thinking about me now because i like being selfish at times um but like if my kid opened up to someone else about one of their fears number one i'd feel terrible that they didn't open up to me but then number two clearly i haven't done something to make them feel comfortable to open up to me and I'm going to feel like a jerk that I'm continuing to do that, which is going to make them feel terrible. Where if I get notified, hey, your kid really has a problem with blank. I'm like, oh, my God. And now I'm having a conversation. And now I'm probably apologizing. I might even be crying and being like, I'm so sorry that you feel this way. That was not my intent. And it just strengthens that bond of family and support and love. Um, and if the kid is getting that from a government agency or someone who's not in the family i think i would have a problem with that like if she were if my daughter were seeing like some psychologist at the school regularly talking about their problems and i didn't know and then like it's just like boom this was the issue i'm like how come how come i wasn't a part of that how come i wasn't on the team about what's going on here that's right. a, that i think that's a valid concern it, it it's very valid because our kids are being used as pawns. Yeah, because you're and, concerned with like and, the manipulation and, aspect. Yes. Our kids are not our government's pawns. They're, they're ours. Mm -hmm. And we know them best. I mean, we know their cries. We know their, we know their moods. We know them. Um, I have a very open relationship. I had to laugh with um, at my 17-year-old well-child visit last week at the doctor's office because, you know, you know, we go in and she's like, you know, it's like, ah, oh, blah, blah, blah. But then she's like, oh, we're going to have to ask you um, to... Or she, or she asked him, do you mind if your mom's present? He's like, I don't care. And uh, then she's like, okay. She was like, for the next part, she was like, we're going to have to ask you to step out. And I, I, I laughed. I was like, okay. And I walked out the door. I was like, I'm texting with his girlfriend. 
I was like, clearly, I was like, she doesn't understand that we have an open communication about his sex life. <laughs> like, I, we were the ones that bought his condoms for him, like Christmas time, you know, like, we're aware that it's going on. Stocking stuffer? <laughs> Was it a you stocking know, stuffer like, or was it, it like, a, no. <laughs> it's one of those things like I am, I am open with my children. Yeah. And the one thing that I ask of them, or don't ask, I demand, is honesty. Don't lie to me. Yeah. Like, you can be honest, like, you can tell me anything, I mean, any, I will come and be be right there for you. I understand you're growing up, you're a teenager, I was one, I've been through it all, but don't lie to me, because then you break my trust. Right. Yeah, it's hard and, for parents to get lied to. <laughs> it really, because every kid's perfect, right? And like when you lie to it, it's like you almost get shattered. You're like, wait a minute, you're this perfect being. You're not supposed. To, we're on the same team. You don't do that to your teammates, man. <laughs> you know. Well, well it's it, you can't it, if you are underage and you're drinking. Fine, don't drive your car. <laughs> I will come pick you up. I will drive you, your friends, whatever. We will have the talk. Yeah, right. But don't put yourself After. in danger. It's, After. Yeah. That's it. Matter. Yeah, yeah. I think that's. Like, do I, not. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, it yeah, is. When you. I, I'm very, you know, I'm very open with my children. And I allow them to be who they are. And I want them to be who they are. And um, and I, I support, you know, like all, I just care. Yeah, no, clearly. And I, I think it's, I, to, to me, I've, I've gotten the impression that it's not, it's not the typical Trump Tea Party, like almost... I don't know if bigot is too hard of a word, but I feel like that's what gets associated with that group. You Delaware Patriots, Patriot, and then it's because like, the word Patriot, yeah, right. So stuff like that, but really, it's it's the 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 things that you're saying are not um, they What's that? do not seem too divisive. So we had summary of main points: children first, reopening schools. 100% transparency, mental health in schools. Did you have any other main sorry, points? Sorry, my son, looking for a charger. Dude, chargers are gold in any house with more than one. They're, they're diamonds. Um, so we left off at mental health in schools. There's that bill that's K-5. It does not look, for my limited Googling, that it applies to middle or, element, or, middle or high school. Right. But are there any other... Um, I guess main points that you want in this summary of your main points. Um, just that I want to um, advocate for all you know, all children. All I have been in. I I want to be a voice for all all people. Okay. 
Uh, sorry. It's all right. I have been, I have lived in poverty. I have been a single parent. I have lived through multiple different experiences. Um, and a lot that have impacted the lives of um, my children. And I, I basically, I mean, I just want to, I think the board needs somebody that is one, not pro-district, who is worked within the district all the way up to super or assistant superintendent um and that is and uses her grandchildren that are biracial um as her tool um because she not only sits on cake board, she sits on the state board. The state board of education? Yes. Oh, wow. Can you, is that like, I had no idea you could do both. Yeah. Huh. Yes. And so when she promotes that she wants schools open and she wants this and she wants that, no, you know, show me, show me where, where, I mean, you have been at work. Why is our proficiency levels where they are? Where, well, what and they're are good, you doing? And the proficiency is good for the state, but you're looking at it from a national standpoint because it seemed like part of your goal is economically you worry like, what jobs do we have? And I, you had kind of gotten into that a little bit and I forget how we got sidetracked, but you're like, basically you gotta be a business owner or you're working at outlets and you want like corporate stuff and you want our kids to be able to compete nationally, but stay locally and thrive. But our proficiency levels for, for, I thought for Delaware, uh, they, Cape, Cape was pretty high as far as for Delaware. Like, we're a top two, three proficiency school in Delaware, aren't we? No. Really? No. We are, like, our report, we are, like, what is, if you bring it up, I mean, we are, like, uh, Not good at all. <laughs> but like you're hey, talking for about Delaware, we may be doing good. Like, huh? Uh, I'm lagging. Hold on. Yeah, we got a little glitch. Yeah, it was glitchy. Yeah, and that—that's what I'm getting at. I'm trying to. I didn't have it. I think again. Every time I start, go, go Googling, to the keep him open district page. Okay. All right, go there. And then go to, hold on, um, 
Like, all right, go to our district. Okay. Hold on. District profile. Hold on. State report card. So you're looking at something where it says English language arts, 65.97% of students were proficient last year. And you're seeing math is 56.6. And you're seeing college and career ready at 59. And you're basically in your mind, you're probably going like, that's almost one out of every two kids is not meeting a standard. Yes. Yeah. And what I'm wondering is what other schools, like how that ranks for other schools. Like, is it really more of like a Delaware issue more no. so than a Cape issue? I guess is what I was no, referencing. No, this is our snap. Snapshot. Oh, no, yeah, but like if everyone else in the state is at 30%, we're twice as good as everyone else. <laughs> Jeez, like if Indian River was at 40%, we'd it'd be like, wow, man, we're 25% higher than Indian River. That's what I was talking about as far as our ranking within the state or are we thinking nationally. That's what I'd be interested in seeing. Um, but I get scared to Google. I feel like the Zoom's going to crash <laughs> if I keep Googling. K Penlopen School District Delaware ranking maybe would be the thing. I wonder like, if that's yeah, even a thing. Yeah, you can bring up our Yeah, see, every time I start Googling, it uh, glitches on me. Of course, because you Google. <laughs> Google. Right. Yeah, you already use, uh, um, whatchamacallit. DuckDuckGo. What I yes. Hear. Yep. <laughs> I, I, somebody else is telling I don't me about that. I don't use Google for anything. Yeah, I, I really want to. Um, yeah, the U.S. News. Right? I, I don't know. I don't want to keep going on, but that'd be an interesting it, it, thing. If you go in and you look at um, in the report card. No, yeah, I mean you're right. I, you can see it. Our district district profile. The percentages for reading are 65% and that is defined as smarter assessment and in 11th grade by the SAT assessment. So grades three to eight annually assessed. Okay, go, all right, you gotta go a step farther. Okay. Go into, hold on, into academics. Okay. And then go proficient. Proficiency and then all subjects. Okay. And then look. Yeah, so that ranks, but what I was looking for, I think they're the same numbers. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so it's the it's the same number, but what I'm interested in is like, and I don't know if this is the best for podcasting since it's so visual heavy, um, but like where does Indian River, where does Caesar Rodney, where does Apoquitamic, Brandywine, um, Capital, Milford, right? Where do other districts fall with their proficiency levels? Where does Sussex Academy fall, right? And like where do we rank with all 
public schools? Where does Cape rank with all public schools? Because I feel like Cape ranks high, and that's what I was getting at. Nationally, it, it's not super high. And when you hear a number, 56% of kids can read on grade level based on a test, you're like, whoa, that's, or I'm sorry, I think that was math. You're like, whoa, that's not right. Only 66% of kids are proficient in English language arts, two out of three kids. Like, well, what about that other kid? So I, I get your sentiment, but I'm just curious statewide if it's more of a Delaware thing more so than just a Cape thing. Well, also, I mean, we are not testing nationally. Gotcha. You know, like, I, this is just Delaware. So, I, I, I mean, I think that I, I think there's a lot that a lot more digging needs uh, to be done. A lot more duck, duck going, not Googling. Maybe Googling is why there's a lag every time I start typing stuff, man. I got to get off Chrome. Yeah, um. you do. <laughs> I know. I know. It's, it's, it's amazing the amount that I find. Um, I am going to um, send you this uh, Frederick Douglass uh, video. Okay. Um, for you to watch and hopefully post uh, because it really does um, put all the work that they did to where we are today and are undoing their work. And it's very sad that it's undoing Frederick Douglass and Martin Luther King and everything. Um, and I just, I, I don't support it and I don't stand behind it. And I'm also mad that, you know, the governor has been given clearance to not uh, dictate where we are academically after yep. this year. So I just went Delaware report card and the state average is 52% for reading. So CAPE is 13 or 14 percent above the state average for reading. Math was 42. I do not remember. I thought CAPE's was close to 50. So it looks like CAPE is about 8 percent above. And college and career ready. I wonder if more info. I wish they would just break it down by freaking district. Um, so it looks like it. if I did a little more digging, we would be able to actually see the rankings and that was on the Delaware report card site. And, and like I, like I said, I, I am a firm believer in Cape. And yeah. that's the whole reason why I am uh, getting into the fight for it. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, it, it's nice to have high standards, man. It's nice to want the best. And even if you're doing I, well in Delaware, you do want to think nationally and be like, are we preparing you to be 
global or at least United States citizens, <laughs> right? Global, right. global workers at bare minimum, like, hey, man, make America better. Better. Oh wait, is that exactly. Too, that's probably too Trump. Exactly. Not, I mean, we we want well-rounded children, but we cannot accept that our children are that are coming home and telling me that they're guilty of be, feeling guilty for being a white male. He has no, his actions, nothing contributed to his, his skin color or his gender. And that's, it's, it's not okay. Yeah. We have to uplift all. Well, uh, uh, uplift all. Yeah. And I think regardless of where people fall or vote, I think the intention of someone running for a local office because they feel so passionately about what their children have gone through, I think that's commendable, man. I think if more people did it, more things would be done. Because if there were eight people vying for this seat, there'd be a lot of opinions and a lot of thoughts and maybe a lot of things coming out of it that even if seven of the people obviously would lose, but it doesn't mean all their ideas would lose. It doesn't mean the topics that they bring up will lose. It means that those things hopefully get enacted on. And Ashley, I thank you so much for um, scheduling. I know you had a meeting before this that you were attending. Um, giving up so much time and uh, good luck, man. I was looking at the numbers and it looks like like 1,600 votes. Do you know that Apoquitimic, and just because I'm a numbers geek, Apoquitimic with 10,000 students do you know how many votes they had in their last board election? It's unfair to even ask you. 2,100. Uh-huh. I know. Cape's last board election was over 2,100. Uh -huh. Like, I mean, for a small district, we seem to really, people seem very passionate about voting. And I'm super interested to see how it goes because I, I was looking at like Milford or even CR. CR only had 900 total votes. And Cape gets almost double, uh, over double that. Like there's going to be a lot of voters out there and I hope people will take the time to get to know you and get to know why you're running and um, contact you with any questions because you seem super responsive um, to well, wanting to do it right. Well, will you uh, please uh, put it out there, Hudson Field, my day night, six to nine, be there, um, and no matter political affiliation, it is, um, it's about our future, our liberties, our freedoms, and our children, and it's our responsibility. Yeah, no doubt, especially as a parent, right? Like it takes a tribe, takes community to raise them. Well, best of luck to you going forward. Thank, Thank you, you so much I'm for excited. your time. I know, that was a long one. <laughs> awesome job. Way to stay with it. <laughs> Good night.
Thanks to Ashley for coming on the Getting to Know You pod. I really do enjoy getting to know people who run for office. I don't know if it's because I don't have the guts to do it. Um, <laughs> I just admire their bravado. Um, I've been fortunate enough to have about 10 or 11 guests now who are passionate enough to put themselves out there in public. I will say, whenever I've had someone running for office on, I've always reached out to their opponents and tried to have them on as well. So if you, dear listener, are not getting to know the opponent on this podcast, it's not because your host didn't try to get them on. Thanks to AndrePsyche.com for supporting the Getting to Know You pod. Search up Andre Psyche on social media. Give him a follow just for the fuck of it. And if you haven't already, please friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, the word of the pod. What else could it be? Vote. Vote is the word of the pod. Post that word on any of our social media or tag the Getting to Know You pod when you use it in yours or on yours. And you will get a shout out on our very next podcast. Don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review the Getting to Know You pod on Apple, Spotify, or your preferred podcast platform. You can also go to our Patreon, that is P-A-T-E-R-O-N. I don't think that's spelled right. Maybe it's not spelled right. Patreon, Google it, it'll autocorrect, to support the Getting to Know You pod for as little as $2 a month. If you've enjoyed getting to know any of our guests and would like to support a man with a podcast and a dream. Finally, if you or someone you know would like to become a sponsor of or advertise on the Getting to Know You pod, we'd love to partner with you. We have a wide-ranging global audience that would like to get to know more about your brand or business. If you're interested, just message us. Don't forget, rock that vote. <laughs>